Hey, St. Paul, welcome to episode seven on our study of Richard Foster's book, The Celebration of Discipline. Tommy, thank you again for joining us. You're certainly welcome, John. We're in the uh, second outward discipline of these uh, disciplines in his book that he lays out. Last week was the discipline of simplicity. Today, we're going to look at the discipline of solitude. I came across an op-ed that was written back in 2006 by Thomas Friedman. He writes op-eds for the New York Times. He recounts this time in his life where he was in a taxi. He just had flown into Paris, and he was in a taxi from the airport to his hotel. It was about an hour ride. When he arrived at his hotel, he reflects, the driver and I had been together for almost an hour. And between the two of us, we had been doing six different things. The driver was driving, talking on his phone, and watching a movie. Yes, he was watching a movie. While I was riding, working on my laptop, and listening on my iPod. There was one thing that we never did, he writes. We never talked to each other. We've been in the presence of each other, but we never talked to each other. And what he does is he relates this through the help of a technologist by the name of Linda Stone to what really is the disease of the internet age, that we have this continuous partial attention relating back to his taxi ride, two people doing six things, devoting only partial attention to each other. I wonder, Tommy, if this is not only a uh, description of what happened in his life, but also an undercurrent of our faith walk that we give so much attention to so many different things that many things only get just partial attention, including God. Absolutely, John. This, this chapter on solitude was very meaningful to me in that if we watch people, we find that even riding around Lake Mott, the park, people that are walking or jogging have either got, you know, earphones on or listening to something. And it just is amazing to me that that is a time where you can enjoy nature and just just enjoy what God has blessed us with. But I think we are so controlled by devices, by noise, by crowds, by people, that we don't take the time to just sit and be by ourselves. Why do you think we uh, push back on being by ourselves? I think loneliness is something that people are just petrified to be alone. They have to have something to do. And they don't take, the, and, and me included, we don't take the time to, uh, or carve out time to be with ourselves and God and let, just let the world go by. All our responsibilities uh, and just calm our mind and let God do his work. He mentions in the book that um, loneliness is inner emptiness. And solitude is inner fulfillment. So there's a difference between being alone yes. and being lonely. Yes. Yes, it, uh, it is. And that's not what he's calling us to. And I don't think that's what Scripture calls us to, is to be lonely. We're called to be alone. Why, why is that the case? 
throughout the New Testament, we, especially in the, the Gospels, we see Jesus being alone. He got up early and went to be alone. Garden of Gethsemane, after he fed the 5,000, numerous examples of Jesus. He calls us to be in solitude. So how can we empty ourselves? And I think the self is the key word here. I think the self is controlled by so many external things that we don't empty a little bit of that space and let God do his work. We just completely inundate ourselves with things. We got to do this. We got to go somewhere else. And we just let these things control us. And we can't, it's, it's very difficult to let go of the self. And he speaks of the self. And the more I read the Bible and the more I read commentaries and things like that, is the self is something that we have to let go of. We have to let it go and understand and accept the fact that God is in control. iPhones are not, iPads are not, television is not, things, noise, people are not. God is. And until we accept that fact that he is the ultimate He's the only one that can solve our, our problems, our root problems. And I think we mask that over so many times with, I've got to go here. I, I should do this. I ought to do this. And we wind up just exhausted at the end of the day because we filled it with things and places and people. And we don't allow ourselves just to sit for an hour or maybe even a day and do nothing or even a car ride yeah i think you're spot on tommy this idea of being alone and this discipline of solitude it really gives us the freedom to let go of those things that are controlling us if we properly consider the perspective of what matthew 6:33 says Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. We live as if the opposite is true, that we have to seek all these other things, and then when that's done, God will be added to us. And we're finding ourselves exhausted, both physically, mentally, uh, spiritually. We're finding ourselves in bondage to these things and consumed by these things. Absolutely. One of the things that I've found that's, uh, to me, is so peaceful, and it might sound like to other people, oh, why do you want to do that? You know, you're wasting your time doing that. You could get somebody else to do that. But every Friday, I do not have appointments. I mean, Friday is Tommy's day. I mean, whatever Tommy wants to do, you know, I usually in the mornings, I just kind of follow up with things. And then I go up to the river or the backwater by myself, and I get on my lawnmower, and that is the most peaceful time to me because it just releases everything. It's beautiful, and I can mow the grass, and I can work in the yard. That is so peaceful to me. And I've had some of my friends say, well, why, don't, why don't you go play golf? I mean, why are you doing that? You could hire somebody to do that. I don't want to do that. I love to do that. That gives me time alone by myself, and Kathy usually comes up late that afternoon if we're going to spend the weekend up there. 
but every Friday I go up there when the weather's permitting. And what does that do for your spiritual life? It, it just connects me with God. It, it really does. I empty everything out, and, of course, I focus on what I'm doing, but it allows me, my mind, to just relax and focus and let him speak to me about whatever it might be that's on my mind. And you're not listening to your iPod? No. You're not absolutely. watching a movie while you're no. on the tractor or no. anything like that? No. And I think that's important. I, I, I think that is important is. That, that we create these spaces in our time where we are intentional and deliberate to go to that place where we seek that communion with God. Right in the beginning of Foster's chapter here, he talks about the importance of solitude in our spiritual journey. He says, as he quotes Henry Nouwen, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to lead a spiritual life because in solitude, we are freed from our bondage to people and our inner compulsions, and we are freed to love God and no compassion for others. So spot on, John. And that is is so true. When you chunk it down and think about the absolutely the bondage to people, we just like I said before, we are petrified to be alone. We have to have somebody around all the time. And in my spiritual walk I have like on Friday afternoons you know that that is to me is solitude i don't have anybody but myself and that's for you know two or three or four hours every every friday hmm. and of course in in the mornings i love to uh spend time in devotion and things like that but i don't think that's what i'm what we're talking about here that's a different that's a different subject this is really 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 getting in tune with who we are who we really are and taking off the mask you know he he states in here that uh solitude is the furnace of transformation i love that i do too that and think about that that's the furnace of transformation and you know we go back to the uh some of the Old Testaments, in, in I think in, in Isaiah, he's talking about purifying the, the metals. And it's just like our lives. We go through that process of purification and get all the mess in our lives out and put something that God has instituted in our lives in. That's the transformation. And we go back to Paul again and the renewing of your mind. It's a solitude is is not a place. It's, it's it's something in our hearts that we have. You know, he goes to talk about well, we build these fancy houses and we have all these places, but we never put a little room where one could go and be alone. And he talks about, look, don't bother me. I am alone. Leave me alone. After a, uh, a long day of ministry, whether it's teaching or preaching um, throughout youth ministry and here at St. Paul, when I go home, my children know that daddy needs cave time. You do not want to go and wake the bear 
while he is in <laughs> cave time. And that was just my way of, sure. of, of releasing, of regenerating. But solitude gives us this freedom that we do not have to be controlled by the world. Yes. Uh, another quote from A.W. Tozer that we love, this is what he says. The self is the opaque veil that hides the face of God from us. You got to say that one more time because that is so good. The self is the opaque veil that hides the face of God from us. And he goes on to state, the person who has abandoned itself to God or surrendered is a person at rest and peace. And that person has learned to love the eternal instead of the world. It lives in peace. And remember, what did Jesus say? Peace, I leave you. Not as the world gives. Right. Right. You know, the, the world's peace is attaining and maintaining what we have attained. But God's peace comes from the freedom of having to be controlled from those. And through this intentional and deliberate discipline of solitude, we start to lay the groundwork to experience communion with God. Mark Batterson writes in one of his books uh, called Whisper. The theme of the book is to hear the whisper of God. How do you hear the whisper of God or positioning yourselves? And he starts out the book by saying it's a daring idea. Maybe it's even presumptuous or even dangerous. But what if we are made to hear God? What if we are made in such a way that we can hear God? What if the human system simply will not function properly without hearing from God? I believe he continues that people are meant to live in an ongoing conversation with God, speaking and being spoken to. And he says, I believe that this can abundantly be verified in the experience when it's rightly understood. But we, we push back from that. I was just coming in to the office today, to the church today, and I had dropped off my daughter at elementary school, and I'm thinking about this chapter, and at the same time, I have XM radio on. <laughs> and and I'm thinking, it, it, it did not hit, it's, it's so subtle. And that's why Foster says, man, we gotta be intentional about this. One of the things that he suggests are creating moments of solitude each day, these little moments of solitude, whether it is riding in a car, whether it is uh, sipping your coffee before work, to not put on the TV, to not to put on the radio, and just contemplate. Not that you have to say anything or read anything or write anything, but you're intentionally putting your attention on the majesty, the sovereignty, the mercy, the grace, the steadfast faithfulness of the God who created us and sent his son to die for us. Absolutely. I'll tell you a story that I, I spoke about to you earlier. Last year, I bought a new car. And uh, in my old car, it had a CD player. 
and I, I love to listen to, especially when we're doing something with the with the church at Christmas or Easter. Wayne always makes these CDs for us, and you know we can listen to it on in the car while we're riding, things like that. So I buy this new car, and I got all these CDs, and I'm so excited about this. And one of them was uh, last year we did the Messiah, and of course Wayne made a tape. I mean, a CD for all of us in different parts. So I get in the new car, and and I got this CD out, and I'm trying to find where you put the CD in. I couldn't find it. I mean, and I finally called the guy that sold the car to us, and I said, look, where's the CD player in this car? And he just cracked up. He said, Tommy, there's not one. They don't make them anymore. Well, you cannot know how devastated I was. Hey, what do you mean that they don't have a CD player in the car? You know, so again, I was addicted to those CDs and audio books and things like that. I had to have something going. Uh, you know, when you drive from here to Augusta, Savannah, that's four hours. Audio books just makes the time just fly by. But try to do that, turn off the radio. And just drive. <laughs> it's scary, Tommy. <laughs> it is scary. Mm. Uh, it really is. And uh, but that's that's just something. And I finally figured out in my technological brain how to download from my phone to my car has got Wi-Fi. It's got Bluetooth. It's got just about anything in the world that you could want. Except a CD player. Except a CD player. Well, you needed to have the car that this taxi driver had for yeah. that Tom Friedman had. It had a movie player in it, too. Yeah. <laughs> on his dashboard. <laughs> so, what times we live in. But anyway, I want to share an experience with you, an experience that I had about 25 years ago. Uh, I was living in Macon at that time and a member of the Martha Bowman United Methodist Church. And the minister at that time was a... Uh, a guy named Tim Backwell. And Tim and I became very close friends, and he really started me on my spiritual journey. He said, Tommy, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to carve out a weekend, and I want to make arrangements for you to go to this retreat. And it's over in Adrian, Georgia, which is about uh, as close to Dublin on the way to Savannah. And I said, well, what do you do? He says, nothing. Now, he wasn't just saying nothing just to be evasive. No. It's it's a spiritual retreat. You have your own dormitory room, and it, it, the two that run the retreat are Methodist, ordained Methodist ministers. And the lady that, that owns the place, she inherited this farmhouse from her parents, and it's out in the, in the middle of nowhere. And you go there, and you don't talk. It's silence. What, for a couple hours? For three days. <laughs> three days? For three days. I mean, and the food is wonderful, and you have your own room, and every day, at the end of the day, they have communion in the little chapel that they have. To, and they have a library, so you can go and read and study, or you can walk in the woods. They have trails and things like that. Or you can... Um, make an appointment with one of the ministers to just go talk to him. But otherwise, you don't talk. You have your meals, but you don't talk. Now, you try to do that. 
I wanted to talk so bad I couldn't stand it. I couldn't wait for Sunday afternoon where I could get in the car and just scream. <laughs> but but it was so enlightening just to not do anything. I mean, you're out in the middle of nowhere, and you're just alone with yourself, and you're reading scripture or studying a book or whatever. But it, it's I'd like to do I think I'm going to do it again. Uh, I think I need it. Well, I, I know that I do. I don't know if I would be able, even as uh, an introvert, uh, I would be able to handle that any more than 20, 30 minutes. I mean, just think of how, how even the simple act of not speaking gives us anxiety. Yeah. And how we are controlled. And this, this is what God wants to free us from. The anxiety, the tension from inside of us. See, we need the encouragement. We need the in the the discipline of solitude because we have this over dependence on the emotional life. Absolutely, we have this over uh, a dependence on being liked of reaching our aspirations and, and our, our goals. A gentleman who we uh, interviewed on another podcast, his name is Carlos Whittaker, and he writes a book uh, called Enter Wild, Enter Wild. And one of the things that he, he writes in that book is one of the important steps in our journey towards faith seems counterintuitive. And he continues, what if the way we catch up with God is actually by slowing down? And, and I would add to that, what if the way to communicate with God or have this intimate personal relationship with God is to close our mouths and listen to God? You remind me of an old proverb, all those who open their mouths close their eyes <laughs> and you know you only have to go to the book of James to understand that and he talks about the purpose of silent and silence and solitude is to be able to hear and see mm. and the uh, you correct me I, I think it's either the first few chapters in James he talks about the tongue the power of the tongue the power of the tongue and Foster mentions it quite often in, in, in the book. And uh, <laughs> it's just that idea of if, if to be silent is and not to talk, it just makes us feel so helpless. We're not in control. Talking and with words, uh, we're either controlling others or ourselves or things. If we're silent, where's the control? Yeah, it's easy, Tommy, to look at somebody else's life and say, boy, that person just loves to hear the sound of their own voice. But how many times do we look at our own selves and say, I wonder if God says that about us? Yeah. Boy, that boy, John just just likes the sound of his own voice. He just loves to hear himself or whatnot. And and we're oblivious to this. He, Foster in his book, he does go in ahead and, and give us a few steps or a few things to put into practice. We talked about one a little bit 
earlier, but uh, living into the discipline of solitude means to take advantage of those little solitudes that fill our day. Maybe the first step is uh, not to go on a retreat for 72 hours and not speak. Maybe we have to work up to it. Yes. And while we're sipping our coffee or while we're, you know, getting final things ready before the day. The, the other one is, is that he, and you mentioned this also, but just to kind of put them all together, is to find or develop that a quiet place designed for silence or solitude. For me, it was the cave, not a literal cave, but it was on the side of a couch and in another room, but it was a time for me to, to release. It was both physical and emotional, but there was a spiritual, a spiritual uh, uh, aspect to it. Because as someone who preaches and as someone who teaches, I got to tell you how controlling it is after I preach that I put that pressure on myself saying, oh, that wasn't good or, but I didn't say the right thing or, and that very well may be the case, but, but what God wants to release me from, and I find it so difficult to do, I'm telling you, I just, I preached yesterday videotaped for this Sunday and I'm like oh my gosh I'm thinking I need to edit that (laughs) I need to redo that yeah but but what God wants to release me from in this this specific instance is he wants to wants me to be released from that power that my performance has over me Let's maybe be freed from that. Yes, yes. He mentioned in his uh, study guide the, few, the Fruits of Solitude by William Penn, and he observed that solitude is a school few care to learn in, though none instruction is better. You know, and by God's grace, if we will just let God catch up with us instead of running from him, just stop say okay you got an hour or you got a day do your thing i'll tell you what i'm going to do this week and and if this resonates with you who are listening um join me in this but uh, uh for the next couple days i'm going i can't promise the next look i i have a tough time planning the next five or ten minutes okay so i'm doing pretty good talking about the next couple days um that in the car on even just going from home to the church or church to the grocery store or back home or wherever you know these little moments these little solitary moments are i'm going to turn off the radio i'm not watching any movies while i'm driving i'm going to tell you that <laughs> but the audiobook or yeah. the um talk shows or whatnot i'm not doing it just to be in silence i want to have a very distinct intentional purpose of just listening to god and recognizing his glimpses of grace that are all around us already yes john i spoke about this retreat that i went to Uh, interesting little side bit to that the name of the place is the green bow B-O-U-G-H. And uh, I'll send you the contact. If, if you can Google it. On, it's on the web. They have a website. Uh, 
But interesting, when I got back from that, I had a, a lot of my friends says, where did you go? And I said, well, I went to the Greenbrier. And they said, the Greenbrier for a retreat? Uh, and that, you know, Greenbrier in West Virginia is a resort, a, a, a five-star resort. And I said, no, that's the furthest thing from the Greenbrier. It's the Green Bow and House of Prayer. Uh, and it's... <laughs> And it was kind of interesting to to hear them. What did you go there for? A retreat, and you didn't talk. No. Their their uh, their emotions about your event uh, just swung like a pendulum from one side. Yeah. You went there for a retreat, a five star. Then to this, are you crazy? This just proves how counterintuitive this is in the yeah. world's uh, eyes. It is. Thank you, Tommy. You're and welcome, John. I do appreciate those who are listening. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that God would continue to put you in places where you are reminded of his love in some special way. God bless.